Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. Great to see you all. You're looking great, as always. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined by our fearless leader, managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how's it going? Chip, uh, everything's going well. Football is underway. I don't know how you're really going to see our audience, but, you know, uh, glad that they are listening to us Say, How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm, I, I know our audience. They are, they're a good looking bunch, you know, um, yes, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We are in uh, the first week of, well, we're four practices in. let's put it that way. We're four fall camp practices in scrimmage coming up on Saturday. There is a quarterback battle going on. So the scrimmages take on extra meaning. Uh, in addition to all the other position battles going on, Steve Sarkeesian was asked about all the position battles going on. He said every position. And so uh, these scrimmages are huge and they're huge for the quarterbacks, uh, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, trying to separate. And Taylor, we'll just get right into it. I mean, we'll start with the quarterbacks. And I asked Steve Sarkeesian after Monday's practice if this was going to be the hardest quarterback decision he's had to make. And he said, as a head coach, yes, this is going to be the hardest decision. I said, what, um, what would have been the hardest call you had to make at quarterback prior to this? And he talked about in 2003 at USC when – uh, he and Pete Carroll went with Matt Leinert over Matt Castle following Carson Palmer's 2002 Heisman Trophy winning year. I think you went to the same high school as Carson Palmer. His brother. Yeah, brother I went to the Jordan. same as Jordan Palmer. Yeah, who's a, now does like quarterback camp stuff and everything with the, the opening in Elite 11 too. Yeah, you Mission Viejoers. <laughs> a lot of um, football players came out of there. I'll say that. Hey. <laughs> right. Right. And so that that gives you a little context. And by the way, they picked Matt Leinert over Matt Castle and Matt Castle was still drafted, even though he was never the starter at USC. And he went on to a double digit year career in the NFL. And Sarkeesian said, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty proud of Matt Castle's development. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know how many coaches can throw that out there. You know, right. oh, I've had, I've had Heisman trophy winners at quarterback. I, I had a guy who never started a game in college and played 10 years in the NFL. Um, but nonetheless, Taylor Hudson card, Casey Thompson, who've looked great through the first four, you know, practices, but no pads. Now look, you got to connect on passes against air or there's a real problem. And the team sources I've talked to um, the receivers, all the pass catchers on the team are excited because the ball is hitting them right where it's supposed to hit them in stride. That let's be honest, was a bit of a struggle at times for Sam Ellinger, especially last year passes to wide open guys were a little off or a little behind even completions and guys weren't able to keep going for the yards after the catch in stride. And, and there's a sense that with, you know, both Casey Thompson, Hudson card, their accuracy is, is just on point. And we saw, we saw that from Casey Thompson last year, six touchdowns, no pick 71% completion rate. And Hudson card is seen as the better arm, the, 
the more accurate arm, the better spiral, the tighter spiral. Although Peyton Manning threw a flutter ball. So he just went into the hall of fame this weekend, but this is where we start to, to, I mean, the, the scrimmages are the, are the exams, you know, everything else is a quiz or a homework assignment. The scrimmages are the, are the exams Taylor. And we get the first of two exams on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hearing Steve Sarkeesian talk about, you know, the, the, how close his quarterback race is and how he wanted the guys to make it tough on him. And they are right now, but you know, Chip, we've seen a limited amount of practice thus far. And I think it's fair to say that from our very small sample size, what we've seen of both, I think the Hudson card has looked a little bit better personally than Casey Thompson at this point. Now, as you mentioned, I mean, it's all going to come down to how these guys perform when it matters most. And what it matters most are the scrimmages. Um, you know, I, I, I think I was not necessarily surprised that it's this close. I think most of us expect Casey Thompson probably to have a little bit of an advantage, but to see kind of how Hudson card is his poise, everything in practice. That's really the first we've gotten to see of him in a practice setting. We got to see him in the spring game, but you know, that was a very limited sample size too, you know, not when they're actually going at it, you know, in practice. And I've, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Hudson card. What about you? Yeah. I mean, Hudson card, the ball just comes out of his hand and looks fantastic. It's a, you know, he's got the arm strength to make every throw. It's a perfect spiral. His mechanics are just spectacular. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell he's been coached up and he doesn't even think about his mechanics. I mean, those are, that's, it's all second nature. And, and that's, that's great coaching. And, and then a comfortability with, with his arm talent and, and I, I've said I would expect Hudson Card to look better in practices with no pads because of that. He's got great mechanics. The question is going to be, how does he handle a dirty pocket? And we have seen Casey Thompson get flush, step up, make passes on, on the money in game situations. And now it's time for Hudson Card to do that. When he has a clean pocket, he's probably the best quarterback on the team, but you don't get a clean pocket all the time. And in fact, you, that's where you have to protect the football. You still have to make plays. The offensive line isn't going to be able to give you great pass protection every time. And, and so this is where we have to see how far both of these quarterbacks have come with the comfortability of knowing this offense, because it's, it's a new offense for both. And we saw them both make some really impressive plays in the spring game. And we saw them both make mistakes. Casey threw the pick six that um, at the end of the half where he got greedy, uh, Hudson card took too many sacks. So that's, that's where we have to see the improvement. And, and Steve Sarkeesian said, if, if this was another spring practice, it would have been both of their best spring practices. So that that's the progress that Sarkeesian wanted to see. And that was, that was after the first uh, practice of fall camp. So the sense is from, from what I'm getting from teammates is these guys can both sling it. We, we're probably going to be just fine with either one. And the receivers are excited because they're getting the ball in stride where they can do damage after the right. catch. And that's in Steve Sarkeesian's offense where 60% of the passes in his offense are within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage on, on, you know, slants screens, um, you name it. That's where the accuracy has to be for those guys to get the yards after catch. So um, going into the scrimmage is going to be uh, all eyes, all ears on what's going on with those quarterbacks. Now, Taylor, there's a ton of other, little nuggets to get to um, that we've, you know, gleaned and picked up on and receiver is, is obviously a hot topic um, with what's going on because of the emergence of Xavier worthy and the excitement around him. Now, last uh, flagship podcast, we were joking that maybe we were feeling guilty for talking about him too much without 
having him, you know, get into pads. And, but when you listen to Steve Sarkeesian talking about Xavier Worthy this week, it's more than that. It's more than his speed and separation and hands. It's this kid's grasping the concepts of this offense and, and he's, he's earning trust. And that's, that's enormous for a guy who just got here in June. Right. It's huge. It is. And I, and you know, I, I, one thing I thought was interesting, we learned this is Xavier Worthy reached out to Steve Sarkeesian about coming to Texas after, you know, he um, got out of his letter of intent um, there. So he, he's been wanting this opportunity. And I really wonder how much that, you know, their prior relationship from when Sarkeesian was, you know, recruiting him at Alabama and Xavier Worthy obviously knows what Sarkeesian's offenses look like. A part of me thinks that this is him kind of taking the ball and running with it a little bit because he was given the opportunity to play under this coach. And I think you're kind of seeing that, especially early on. But yeah, we were we were talking about, you know, if if we're overhyping Xavier Worthy at this point, and I think that we're not, you know, I think that if this continues and Texas really does have that threat at receiver that we've been saying they've needed and they've lacked for almost what, like a decade, it seems like, I mean, my goodness, you're just not really hearing of many explosive receivers. I guess the best one would be Devin Duvernay in the last probably 10 years that have come out of Texas. So I think that Xavier Worthy is really taking advantage of this opportunity. Chip, what about you? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think this is the kind of receiver who, who, Steve Sarkeesian's had at Alabama. I mean, he's a Jerry Judy type of guy, wiry, light, but lightning fast, great feet, runs really good routes, gets instant separation. That's the kind of stuff that Steve Sarkeesian can work with. And, and you know, as sort of rising and exciting as it is to hear about Xavier Worthy's growth, um, Sarkeesian was asked about Troy O'Meary and Troy O'Meary was probably, he was the Xavier worthy of last year's fall camp. I right. Mean, yeah. He six foot three, 230 pounds. He was like a power forward grabbing rebounds uh, in every, you know, pass catching situation in fall camp last year until he tore his ACL. And I wrote about this in the morning brew on Tuesday that last year he had Brennan Eagles and Tariq black. He was competing with for the X receiver spot in Tom Herman's offense. And Tom Herman valued having a big receiver at that X position and, and was committed to it. Um, the slot receiver in Tom Herman's offense tended to be the volume pass catcher and then the Z receiver was the speed guy to, you know, take the top off the defense, draw attention away from the slot receiver, blah, blah, blah. Well, Brendan Eagles and Tariq Black are gone, and Steve Sarkeesian doesn't care about having a big receiver in the offense. It'd be great, and Steve Sarkeesian coached Julio Jones uh, with the Atlanta Falcons for two years. He knows the value of a a great receiver who's also a big target. Um, but Troy O'Meary's coming back from the ACL. He's still wearing a big brace, not a little brace, a big brace on his right knee that kind of goes from the middle of his quad down to his shin. And it's not, I wrote about this on July 29th in the insider that he was off, you know, that he was lacking the fire that he had last year and, and then Steve Sarkeesian talked about it after Monday's practice and said, yeah, he's mentally maybe not trusting that his knee is recovered, even though his knee is recovered. Right. And, and so they got to get, he's got to have that kind of faith and belief and cut it loose because he's competing now with, not big receivers. He's competing with Jordan Whittington, Joshua Moore, and Xavier Worthy to be among the top three receivers on the field. And, and he's got a lot of talent. He's got all four years of eligibility remaining. It's not that, you know, 
panic alarm. This is a, this is a five alarm fire. No, it's, it's just a note along the way early in camp, just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it is. And in the brace, when we're talking about a brace, we're talking about one of the largest leg braces I've seen probably at a skill position player have to wear and chip, you know, before chip and I started recording our podcast, we kind of brought this up, but I, you know, I would imagine having a size of brace that he has on his leg that goes basically looks like it goes almost from his hip all the way down to his ankle. Um, that has to have some sort of mental effect on you a little bit, you know, because you're already kind of favoring the leg, you're favoring that injury because it was in fall camp. It was the first week of fall camp, you know, that he did injure it last year. And I think that, you know, like, I'm not trying to make excuses for him not kind of being back up to speed, I guess you could say, but it would be really hard, I think, for anybody to have to wear that every single day and not have it get in your head a little bit. Because again, when, when we're talking about a massive brace, this is a massive brace. I mean, I, it looks like a mummy wrap all the way up his leg pretty much. And it's, I mean, it's substantial. I really do wonder, Chip, how much that is making it a little bit even more difficult for him to kind of get back into the groove and, you know, have that confidence like he did before he um, had that ACL injury last year. Well, the other thing I'm hearing is that it's it, the attention to detail is not where it should be in terms of his route running in terms of just the, you know, the technique um, because Steve Sarkeesian is a technician and you heard Sarkeesian. He said this many times. And I think, the players have to, he said, our receivers have to understand things from a conceptual standpoint of what we're trying to do in the offense, because there are option routes and they have to know what the other receivers, where they are, what routes they're running to know what option route to run, depending on what they're seeing from the defender in conflict and an RPO or from a press coverage standpoint, am I getting leveraged inside or outside? Where can I beat this guy? Oh, wait, is that going to interfere with the route of the guy outside of me or the guy inside of me? And all of that has to be processed. And you're hearing Sarkeesian say that Jordan Whittington is processing it all. And you're hearing now that Xavier Worthy is processing it, that, that because of his tight recruiting relationship, with Xavier Worthy and his mom when he was at Alabama, that Xavier Worthy was one of those guys that wanted to know about the offense he was going to play in. And he knew what kind of offense he'd be playing in under Sarkeesian. So he came in knowing that he was going to have to pick it up fast, and he has. And and so it, does, it doesn't sound like Troy O'Meary is, is there yet at all mm-hmm. from a – processing conceptually what needs to be done. And then it's not showing up in the technique or the route running. And that's, that's probably the bigger question for me um, is, okay, where's the fire? Where's the fire that, that clearly was evident last year when he was competing with Brennan Eagles and Tariq black to, because he can look out there and see, there's no one who looks like me in the receiver line. I'm, I'm the mismatch. I'm the, I'm the guy I'm, I'm six, three, two Julio Jones is six, three, two but it's more than that. You, you can look great coming off the bus. We've seen that a thousand times, right? But in this offense, you got to have the details down um, because you heard Joshua Moore say after uh, one of the fall camp practices that the way the offense is drawn up there should be one receiver wide open on every play. Mm-hmm. And, and when you understand that and how important your role is in that, even if you're not the one getting the ball, well, only the people who understand that and value that are going to be on the field. And it sounds like Joshua Moore, Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy understand it and are, are making big gains in processing everything. And, and Troy O'Meary's got to pick it up. So, um, you know, this is where you look at the, the receivers coach, Andre Coleman, and, and say, okay, you got to get it out of them. You got to right. get, you got to get that out of them, all that talent, all that you're going to have to be the one to make sure he's, 
he's understanding everything he needs to understand and is ready to go. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is this is going to be a situation where I think you're going to see a lot out of Andre Coleman as a coach. You know, I think he's done a really good job so far at Texas. You know, one of the few coaches that was retained by Steve Sarkeesian. <clears throat> but, you know, he's got to get Troy O'Meary back to the place that he was in in fall camp last year. Because I, I really do think, you know, Chip, if we're looking at there, – there, there's a lot of talent at receiver. And I, I feel like we've been talking about that a lot, yet there's just been a lot of question marks about who's going to be the guys that step up. But the talent is there. And Troy O'Meary is among the top of the talent, in my opinion. Um, I think just as for every, I mean, he's just that, the mismatch guy, as you've mentioned, you know, but he also was more than that last fall camp from all of the reports we were hearing, you know, it wasn't just the, the jump ball type of guy, like the jump ball threat in the end zone type of guy. He wasn't just that, it seemed. And so he's got to get back to that. But as you know, Sarkeesian has been pretty open all along. And I think a lot of people probably were thinking it may be coach speak, but he's been, he's stressed pretty much anytime he's been asked about receivers, about how he's going to put the three best on the field. He doesn't care what they look like. The three best are going to play. And I think that everybody, you know, I've, you know, we've talked about that in depth um, all off season because he has mentioned that a lot. And I think the only person that isn't maybe getting that right now is probably Troy O'Meary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, again, right now the pads haven't even gone on. They'll go on the full pads. will go on Thursday of this week. We're recording on Tuesday. And, and that's when, that's when Troy O'Meary can flex and use that big body and, and act like a, a power forward grabbing rebounds with that wingspan. And, and that's when he needs to start dominating and, and so we will definitely keep an eye on that one guy who's not holding back Taylor because of a previous injury, according to Steve Sarkeesian is Derek Kerstetter, the super senior uh, right tackle. And it, it's interesting because Steve Sarkeesian admitted this week that he, he'd never, he didn't know what the injury was with Derek Kerstetter. He didn't see it. And if, you know, people will remember back to the K-State game, his ankle looked like Dak Prescott's ankle and Connor McGregor's ankle. It was limp and hanging at a 90 degree angle. Uh, it was a, you know, clean fracture and it was horrifying. And he had to have plates and everything put in to repair it, but he's back and Sarkeesian is in awe. You know, he, he said, I'm so thankful that, that Derek Kerstetter is back, his leadership, his, his tenaciousness, his physicality, it's all appreciated. And, and so that's, that's good to hear because I had done a flagship podcast interview with Blake Brockermeyer, the father of Texas linebacker, Luke Brockermeyer. And he is, you know, intensely aware of that injury uh, because one of his other sons, James had an ankle fracture and, you know, Blake said it's, it's a year, it's a year long process to get all the stiffness out, get to where you truly feel normal. And of course that was last November. And so to hear that Derek Kerstetter is cutting it loose and playing at a, at a high level, uh, he is, the right tackle right now. Um, and that's going to be interesting because we'll, we'll just get into it. Uh, that's where uh, Andre Carrick played after Kerstetter went down and did a really nice job. And what you hear from everyone is that Andre Carrick is going to be a star that he is. He's nasty. He's a finisher. He's a punisher. And I mean, even Keandre Coburn said that at big 12 football media days, when he was asked, who's the nastiest offensive lineman on, on the team, he said, Andre Carrick. And he said, and that's my kind of guy. And, and so, you know, Derek Kerstetter is, is leading the charge and it's admirable because that was a horrifying injury. And, and yet he's still competing. And so it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how that right tackle position plays out because I think they like Christian Jones at left tackle playing next to Denzel Okafor. They had chemistry last year that is critical between the guard and the tackle and the guard in the center. And 
And then it's going to be about Derek Kerstetter holding off the young, the young buck, Andre Carrick, because Carrick is the future. And, and is Derek Kerstetter uh, strong enough, everything enough to, to be the guy for one more year at a position that he's clearly more comfortable and more natural at than having to, to play center where he was not comfortable. And, and now Jake majors has grabbed that job and, and has looked totally comfortable. So uh, that's, that's a great storyline to watch and kudos to Derek Kerstetter for, for working as hard as he's had to work to come back from that, that ankle fracture and be a factor. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that injury was hor- horrific. I mean, just, you could hear him screaming, you know, on, I, on I, the broadcast, you could hear Kerstetter screaming on the field and, you know, for a football player to get to that point is rare. <laughs> I will say, you know, I mean, for them to be literally screaming on the field is, is a rarity. And so it's, it's a great storyline. You're absolutely right. <clears throat> and honestly, I think this is a really good sign probably for the offensive line, because coming out of the spring game, you know, everybody was kind of concerned about the O-line because of how many sacks that they gave up to in the spring game. And Kerstetter wasn't really there, you know. So I think that this could, you know, as long as the progression continues, Chip, I feel that this should set some of those concerns that a lot of people had about the offensive line a little bit, give you know, give them a little bit of peace of mind, thinking that it may not be as bad off as you saw in the spring game because – Let's be honest. I mean, what was their 10 sacks giving up total by the one and right. two lines? So, right. you know, that and that, that's alarming. It's very alarming. But Kerstetter was not in the mix then. He was not playing then. And so just to hear Steve Sarkeesian just, I mean, he just went, he basically was just went on like a tangent about like a love song essentially to about Derek Kerstetter because of how impressive he's been with him just being, you know, both a leader and for, you know, what he's done on the field. So I really think of, you know, we've talked a lot about some concern that O-line, in my opinion, if Kerstetter continues down this road, I don't think that that is much of a concern as maybe we thought it was coming out of the spring game. Yeah. And, and the other, you know, nugget that I think uh, is worth noting on the offensive line is um, Hayden Connor, the freshman, because Um, we noted in the spring that he was getting some, some reps with the first team and you're thinking, Oh, was somebody missing from practice or what, what was going on there? And no, I mean, this is, uh, this is a guy who they really like, I mean, they feel like he is, um, a guy who is on the fast track and I'm hearing, you know, Junior Angelau needs to to stay as sharp as possible because Hayden Connor is a guy who's coming on as as a possible guard, uh, certainly rotation uh, with with the ones and and maybe even a guy who could challenge all the way in to the starting lineup. Now that's that's saying a lot, and we haven't even put on the pad, so I don't want to get too far ahead, but the point is here's a freshman who's getting looks and when you're a freshman getting looks, I mean, look at Jake majors and Andre Carrick last year, they ended up in the starting lineup. So you just have to point out when a guy's starting to emerge separate. And I, that's really telling to me because the previous coaching staff was hell bent to get Tyler Johnson up and going. And, but the problem is, at some point you got to take over as the player, you know, the, the coaches can't be pulling it out of you all the time. You got to take over. You've got to say it's mine. And, and I think that these coaches are only going to deal with guys who are, are saying that. And so that's a wake up call. It should be a wake up call to, to guys like Tyler Johnson. And, and I know Jalen Garth is a guy that, uh, who they love from a physical standpoint, he got chewed out a little bit in uh, day three of fall camp for not listening. Kyle flood yelled at him. You're not listening. And, and Jalen Garth is a guy who just, you know, getting off the bus looks like, uh, you know, what you're playing with in the NFL, but it, again, 
Kyle Flood is, is again, I'll refer back to the Blake Brockermeyer flagship podcast interview. One of the reasons we talked to Blake Brockermeyer is because he knew Kyle Flood extremely well because Kyle Flood, Steve Sarkeesian recruited, obviously, uh, Tommy and James to Alabama. But in that interview, he talks about how Kyle Flood is one of the offensive line coaches in college football who will coach the independent hands pass protection, which is not you know, something all offensive line coaches do. And that was a problem for the Brockermeyers with Herb Hand. He didn't teach it. And that's, that's, you know, putting one hand high, one hand low, instead of both hands right into the chest of the defensive lineman, because with, you know, the new uh, speed rushing, the, the side scissor, the double swipe move that Joey Bosa and Chase Young have brought in, if you put both hands in the chest of a defensive lineman, they're, they're just going to knock you off balance and, and you're, you're done. So, um, you know, now it's about being able to, to punch with one hand, keep the other hand free so that you're um, able to at least long arm um, or, or try to extend your arm to keep that, uh, that pass rusher uh, from getting in on you. So um, Kyle floods, a guy who's very demanding He's a former head coach and, when you're starting to see young guys rise up like Hayden Connor, um, again, it's worth pointing out. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good sign. And, you know, Chip, on the other side of the ball, I think something that is another good sign for Texas is the um, the kind of, tra- not transition, but the way that DeMarvin Overshawn has returned back to the field. Um, he's put on, you know, some really solid weight. Steve Sarkeesian had pointed that out. Um, at the beginning of fall camp, but then we saw, you know, we can see him in person now and that he looks good. I mean, probably the best I've seen him look since he's been at Texas. Um, and he just seems to really kind of, um, be not even just back to how he was, you know, after, at the end of last season, prior to having that surgery, but he looks better than, than I think that we've ever seen him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is, God was in a great mood when he put DeMarvin Overshawn together, I mean, yeah. you know, six, four, two twenty, and Steve Sarkeesian talked about how Overshawn could not put on the weight because he couldn't really get into the weight lifting uh, after the shoulder surgery. And, and that over the summer he was able to put on weight. Cause remember he was a COVID kid. He didn't come in for the, for the conditioning before last season because of COVID he came in right as fall camp was starting and he had to kind of play his way into shape. He didn't get all the strength and conditioning that his teammates got. And so he played last year at, I mean, I was told two twelve at times mm-hmm. and he's lightning fast, but you got to have some weight to be able to shed blockers and, and that kind of thing, because uh, in Pete Kwiatkowski's system, DeMarvin Overshawn is an inside you know, linebacker when they're uh, close to the boundary and, and then he's an outside linebacker and he does it all. I mean, he's going to, he's going to rush off the edge. He's going to drop into coverage. He's going to play on the inside. And, and you're right. I mean, when you have an athlete like that and a guy who understands it, picks it up, knows what he's being asked of conceptually, he understands the, the defense can communicate it, can get guys lined up correctly. He's not just agent zero um, flash and no substance. He's substance. And we saw him get better. I mean, I, I, I'll never forget. I talked to, um, you know, Gabe Eichard, former OU offensive lineman uh, in a radio interview. And he said that they felt like, Chris Adamora and DeMarvin Overshawn were guys they could put in conflict in RPOs and take advantage of. And they did, they did, they did that exactly. And Overshawn was a bit of a liability at the beginning of the year. And then he turned in, it just kept coming and coming. He saw, you saw the kind of improvement you want to see from an entire team week to week improvement to the point where he was making plays all over the place and finished the year as the second leading tackler on the team, two interceptions, two, forced fumbles, one for one fumble recovery, um, eight tackles for loss. And this is a guy who was learning on the fly after moving from safety. So 
this is a guy I think everyone has high expectations for, including himself. And I'm excited to watch the guy because he, he flies and that's, that's what you want. If you have an instinctive linebacker who can move, man, there's so much fun to watch because they're getting ahead of the block and they're they're It's like watching Derek Johnson play football where he knew what was coming before they could even block him, And he would, he would just get, you know, get to the play before they, they could form a wall for him. And so um, that's, they need that. They need that obviously, because we're talking about uh, Juwan Mitchell leaving the program, the leading tackler on the team and, and forcing others to step up at middle linebacker. And Luke Brockermeyer is a guy who continues to get praise uh, as a guy who just knows exactly what he's doing on every play and is instinctive. He may not be as fast as DeMarvin Overshawn or David Benda, but he's in the right place. He knows how to turn plays back to where they need the tackle to be made and understands that stuff. There are times where the linebacker's job is solely to turn a play back in to the unblocked linebacker. So Luke Brockmeyer understands that Jalen Ford competing there as well. And Devin Richardson, Devin Richardson is working at both um, middle and will, but with will at the weak side linebacker, you got DeMarvin Overshawn and David Benda. Uh, they need, they need Devin Richardson to keep coming at, at middle linebacker. Same with Jalen Ford and, and they might be okay there. They might be okay there. So, yeah. And, and Sark said after Monday's practice, he had a lot to, of positive things to say, both about Overshawn and um, Luke Brockermeyer. You know, when he was talking about DeMarvey and Overshawn, he felt that, you know, he's really fast and he plays with tremendous instincts. And Sark said he feels that his experience playing safety has probably led to him being such a, like, solid, have, having such a solid instincts at linebacker. And then, you know, he also was talking about Luke Brockermeyer, middle linebacker, and he kept talking about his instincts, about how he plays smart. He trusts his instincts. He trusts his preparation. And he goes and plays. And in Sark's opinion, he said that's the, the, one of the biggest keys that you could have or the, the best traits that you could have, excuse me, um, for a middle linebacker. So I think that's kind of interesting to hear that Luke Brockermeyer is coming along so well. Chip, I know, I know we reported it a lot during the spring, too, because we were hearing a lot of positive things, but that's another one to kind of watch that may be flying under the radar a little bit right now. Right, right. And he's 6'3", 225. Um, you want your middle linebacker right there at 230. I mean, Delia Dayaway is is just getting to know these coaches. He came, he missed the spring and then came back to the team, which is, you just, you know, wish he could have figured it out sooner, but he's you know, they like his size. I mean, Delia Dayaway looks like a, like a Adonis. I mean, he's, he's what you see on the cover of muscle and fitness at <laughs> it's six, one, two got that upside down pyramid upper body and he's thick and, and they like his fit, you know, how physical he is. They just need him to, and he's twitchy. He just needs to process better so that he's playing faster. Cause he's not, He's not playing to his size and speed, you know, and that's, right. that, that's just, you can't have that, especially at middle linebacker. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully the light goes on. I've talked about this a million times. Brandon Jones, the five-star safety was lost um, really his first two years at Texas. And then his junior year, it all clicked and he was an animal. He was everywhere. He's the leading tackler. The light goes on at different times for different players. And when it goes on, it can be, wow. Um, I think we saw that with DeMarvin Overshawn last year. Hopefully it happens for Delia day away in this scheme with really good coaches who are really good teachers. I mean, that's the one thing everyone has told me about Pete Kwiatkowski is that he is such a good teacher. His players will not be out of position. They will not blow assignments because he will make sure that the guys on the field totally understand every situation they're in. So there's some, uh, there's some linebacker talking real quickly uh, in the defensive backfield. It, Steve Sarkeesian said, yeah, we're cross training Jaron Thompson at safety and nickel. And to me, that, that means a couple things. Uh, a, they may not be totally um, ecstatic with, 
what's going on at nickel and Jaron Thompson uh, is a really talented football player. It's going to be a star at Texas, no matter where he lines up. Cause he's that, he's just that smart. He's that much of a leader. Um, but it also means they must feel good enough with BJ Foster that he and Brendan schooler could, you know, and BJ Foster is a really good football player. He he's had yeah. to battle injuries. He's, he's gotten down on himself. He's gotten frustrated. He's felt like the previous coaching staff made stuff personal and he didn't vibe with that. And so, you know, I'm hearing that, that BJ's engaged. He's, 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 he's getting after it. And so there would be worse things than having, you know, two veterans back there and Brendan schooler who's lightning fast and BJ Foster, who's a thumper uh, with Jaron Thompson at nickel, because uh, that's a lot of experience. Well, not Jaron Thompson, but that's a lot of experience at safety. Yeah, no, it is. And you're right. BJ Foster is an outstanding football player. You saw it, you know, his first two years um, at, or yeah, his first two seasons when he was at Texas. I mean, the flashes are there. Um, I also think that honestly, the, change in coaching staff, it impacted him and Caden Stearns a lot um, last prior to the 2020 season when uh, Tom Herman got rid of, you know, his first coaching staff pretty much at Texas because those guys, you know, the defensive backs coaches with Jason Washington and Craig Niver were really two of the better coaches on that staff and they both got let go. Um, and I think that probably really probably the best recruiters. So oh, they were definitely. the guys, they were, yeah, the, they were, they were the, the coaches guys. that the players knew the best from even before getting on campus. Yeah. And so those relationships were gone and that really, uh, I mean, it, it impacted Caden Stern substantially. It impacted BJ Foster. I'm, I'm eager to see what BJ Foster can do now, you know, after he kind of has a little bit of a fresh start with this coaching staff and not having, you know, the, the, as you mentioned, they were some of those coaches last year made things personal on the guys, you know, calling them wussy with a P that starts it, you know, I mean, things like that, like that was common. And that's not necessarily how Steve Sarkeesian staff has kind of come in and handled it. They've kind of taken a more, you know, the culture is going to come naturally. We're not going to force it down your throat. And I think that could be good for a player like BJ Foster that was kind of lost in the mix last year. And, you know, at one point even left the team, you know, for after that um, at halftime of the UTEP game. But I think that that could be key for him. And I, I'm, ex I'm eager to see what type of, you know, opportunity or what type of um, reaction he has to this new opportunity of the staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. And I continue to hear really good things about Keaton Crawford um, and, and he's his physicality. Uh, you've got some really interesting young guys in that secondary you know, JD coffee. And now Ishmael Ibrahim is on campus and wow, is that kid a good looking specimen? I mean, you, you just, uh, you know, he's six one, but he's long and, um, he's number 18. I was like, who's, who's 18. Oh, that's or 19. Sorry. 19. I'll say 18 is Ovi a go Yeah. Yeah, 18 is also a good-looking uh, yeah. <laughs> specimen. But, yeah, Ishmael Ibrahim, number 19, um, you know, we'll see. He doesn't even know where the bathroom is at this point, but, you know, he sure looks the part. And and Keaton Crawford is a guy who's, who's making plays. So um, lots of fun seeing where the, uh, where the secondary can go because uh, I love me some Deshaun Jameson and uh, Josh Thompson but those guys are moving on after this season. So they got to have, they got to have their, their next wave ready to go. And, um, and so um, Taylor, before we get to love it or leave it, uh, I know we always call Cameron Dicker, Dicker, the kicker, but it's looking more and more like he might be Dicker, the punter and Dicker, the kicker. Um, we'll see how this plays out, but he's, he's clearly been the better punter and the first team punter through the first four days of fall camp. And, and he's, you know, he averaged 43.3 yards per punt. You'll take that. That's, that's excellent. Um, now Ryan Buchevsky um, averaged 43.6 and, and Buchevsky's coming off the ACL tear uh, was not, didn't, 
you know, was kind of limited in spring. And so now is when Buchevsky really needs to, to make the move. And uh, as of right now, it's still Cameron Dicker. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we watched them in punting drills and there was no question who was the best punter out there. And it was yeah. not Buchevsky. Yeah. In fact, Isaac Pearson, the, the other pro kick Australia punter who came in, of course, Ryan Buchevsky is a first cousin of Michael Dixon, the former punter, now pro bowler with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he came in from pro kick Australia and so has Isaac Pearson. Isaac Pearson was probably the second best punter mm -hmm. in uh, day three of fall camp when we were able to watch uh, them do the full blown uh, punt team. And one quick note on that punt team, the first team gunners were Keelan Robinson. Um, we, oh, Josh Moore. And so I'm like, is this an experiment or is this something, you know, we're going to see, uh, but Keelan Robinson, I mean, and, and look, Jeff Banks, I've said Jeff Banks is a mad scientist and his special teams, everywhere he goes, his special teams get better. And, um, and Kelvante Dixon was also a gunner with Keelan Robinson once little Kelvante Dixon. So they want speed. I mean, they want guys who are going to go down the field and, and be willing to, to make a tackle. Cause remember Chris Boyd, he was about as good as there was, you know, at getting down the field, downing punts. Well, Josh uh -huh. Thompson, let's not forget him. He was, especially when Dixon was there. I mean, yep, how many, yep. he was one of the best ones I think I've seen so far at Texas. Yeah. That's so that's why I'm like, are we, is this for real? Like, yeah. Normally you have defensive guys because they can go down and blow people up uh, on their way to the ball carrier. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Just a little nugget early in camp. It could have been just like for fun, but um, to throw, right, Tyler, all, to throw off all the media that's watching oh, yeah. there. Like yeah. what the hell? <laughs> yeah, let's give them, let's, let's, let's take them. Let's hear them talk about this and then we'll laugh at that yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. You ready for some uh, love it or leave it? Yeah, uh, yeah, but before we get to love it or leave it, we're gonna take a really quick break. But you want to stick around because we will have some more headlines coming out of fall camp um, in love it or leave it, including the latest with the Texas quarterback battle. So stay tuned. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am ready. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. The biggest storyline through the first four days of fall camp is wide receiver Troy O'Meary possibly not trusting that his right knee is healthy. Um, you know, I'm going to leave that as the biggest story. Um, it's, it's a story, but I don't think it's the biggest story. I think, I think the biggest story is the emergence of, of Xavier Worthy. Um, I know we've talked about Xavier Worthy a lot from summer workouts, but it's, it's a whole nother thing to hear Steve Sarkeesian talk about a true freshman who's processing the entire concept of the offense, running great routes, and, and looking like the kind of receivers that, that Sarkeesian had it. Alabama, like Jalen Waddle, Jerry, Judy. Um, I'm not going to say Devonte Smith because that, that guy just shattered all the records and won the Heisman trophy, but the kind of speed and electricity uh, that, 
that uh, Steve Sarkeesian's used to at the receiver position, that's huge. I mean, if, and we know that Sarkeesian uh, does a great job of getting guys in matchups uh, that they can win and, and gets them the football. So uh, that, that to me is huge for this offense because let's be honest, Jordan Whittington is, is, is a little bit like Jordan Shipley. I mean, we haven't, we just haven't seen him dominate for a, an entire season. We've, we saw him with 10 catches against OU and then he was gone again. And, and so, and Josh Moore led the team in receptions last year, but it wasn't, you know, they weren't eye popping numbers. Um, and so if you can get that kind of speed on the field and, and have that kind of uh, sort of maturity from a football standpoint, football IQ standpoint from Xavier worthy to me, that's, that's probably the biggest story. I mean, everyone's going to say, what about the quarterback? But okay. Yeah. There's a quarterback battle going on, but we don't know who's, who's the quarterback yet. That will be the biggest story of fall camp. Don't get me wrong, but through the first four days of fall camp, I think it's savior worthy. How about you, Taylor? You know, I'm going to leave it, but I'm also, I'm going to go with, you know, we're talking about the quarterback. So I'm going to say that I think the biggest storyline is probably the fact that from what we saw, I mean, it's again, pads aren't on. So I'm going to be cautious in what I say here, but from what we have seen so far with Hudson card and Casey Thompson, that Hudson card was toe to toe, if not better than Casey and a lot, making a lot of the throws that we did see him make in practice when we've been able to go out there. I think that's probably the biggest storyline right now. Um, however, I would say my one B is probably Xavier worthy because you know, he um, we've talked about him in depth on the flagship podcast leading up to fall camp and we're, you know, cautious not to overcook it a little bit and wondering if we may be overcooking it. But clearly, I don't think that we were. So I think that's definitely one B. But I'm going to say the quarterbacks is the I think that's going to be the biggest storyline, honestly, of all of fall camp until a starter is named. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the every, you know, that's the story that leads every every sports cast. It's the story right. that leads most all of our notes because uh, it is so significant. The good news is that both quarterbacks are, are putting the ball on the money and seem to understand the offense. I mean, this really is going to be a tough call for Steve Sarkeesian and he, he's made tough calls before. And he, with Matt Leinert, he picked the younger quarterback over the veteran Matt Castle. And at Alabama last year, he picked the veteran Mac Jones over the, the young gun, um, you know, Bryant young. So I think it's going to be fascinating. And the good news for Texas is they've got two really talented quarterbacks. Okay. Taylor, love it or leave it. Number two. All right. Love it or leave it. Number two is the story flying <clears throat> under the radar right now is how quickly freshman offensive lineman Hayden, Hayden Connor is moving up the duck chart. Love it or leave it. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think, I can love that. I can love that. I, I, my mind flashes over to Jaron Thompson and just how, how versatile that kid is and how talented he is. Um, but we knew that we knew Jaron Thompson was talented. And even the previous staff thought Jaron Thompson was, was going to be a star. I think Hayden Connor being a guy who can challenge into the two deep is a surprise to Texas fans. And, mm -hmm. and they are probably going, wait, who Hayden, who? Right. <laughs> and so I, I'll, I'll love this. I'm going to give the big, the big guy, you know, the big fellas, the trench monsters, some, some love here, Taylor. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to love this, that Hayden Connor moving up and, and challenging uh, into the two deep at, at guard is is the story that's flying under the radar right now. How about you? Oh, this is a tough one because uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to have to love it because it, it definitely has flown under the radar. And plus like, you know, offense alignment, big guys need love too. And they don't get as much love as a lot of the, the you know, players that aren't linemen. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to love it. The only other thing I was going to say is probably the fact that it's probably not a, the, most significant story that's flying under the radar. But I think that um, Cameron Dicker 
the punter, Dicker the punter, as we talked about earlier uh, in the show, I think that that his whole possibly pulling, you know, punting and kicking duties, at least early on in fall camp, is probably flying under the radar. That may be intentionally flying under the radar because, you know, Bushevsky hasn't still, you know, is coming back from injury. There's still kind of like unknown there. So I was going to say that, but no, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, going to give it to the big guy, Hayden Carner, because that's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's a rarity when you hear a freshman kind of pushing um, veterans for, or, you know, guys with experience for starting roles, um, um, offensive line, especially the main one, you know? And so I think that that's a, it's surprising. So maybe it should get a little bit more attention right now. Well, and we'll, we'll throw in some honorable mentions. How about this? Um, uh, Terrence Cooks, who Demarvin Overshawn called TK the other day, which threw me off. I'm like, I went up to John Bianco, the, the, you know, sports information director. And I said, Hey, who's TK? He's like, that's Terrence Cooks. Not quite sure why they call him TK, but um, Terrence Cooks, the six foot two, 210 pound linebacker in the 21 class, the freshman looking good and and mo blackwell morris blackwell as well uh linebacker from arlington martin uh earning some some praise from from veteran teammates so keep an eye on those two and um i'm excited to see those guys because they move really well and it's clear that uh, they've got a lot of speed uh coming in at linebacker All right, Taylor, love it or leave it. Numero tres. Number three for you is uh, love it or leave it. The team goes full pads on Thursday, and that's when the QB battle between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card really begins. I think so. I mean, look, I'm not in the meeting rooms when they put these guys on the whiteboard. I'm not sure who's killing it on the whiteboard or when when coaches just fire off a question like we're going to see in hard knocks with the Cowboys uh, on HBO starting this week. But I do know that when the pads come on and the, the pocket is either clean or dirty to me, that is going to determine who wins this quarterback job. Because um, again, I've said if Hudson card played out of a clean pocket every time he'd be the guy. Um, but Casey Thompson has been a really good second reaction quarterback when the pockets broken down in the Alamo bowl, uh, he stepped up, slid, found Cade Brewer down the field, stepped up, hit Calvante Dixon for a 70 yard touchdown and Hudson card, the knock on him coming out of the spring was he was taking too many sacks and not stepping up and at times going out the back of the pocket, which is the worst mistake a young quarterback can do Sam Ellinger did that a lot Johnny Manziel did it his whole time at A&M and got away with it because he was so fast but good lord you can't go out the back of the pocket now you're 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage so it's that's the kind of stuff how much have these quarterbacks grown and gotten comfortable with the offense so that when things break down they're still able able to make the play and and so yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna love this how about you Taylor Yeah, I'm going to, well, trying to decide when the full pads go on. I definitely think that's the start. I think it really begins probably scrimmage number one. Um, But I think that'll be more of the, the test, you know, the first test of the quarterback. So yeah, you know, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to love it and say that, you know, when the team isn't full pads, that's definitely when it, the battle begins. Um, But I really do think that the biggest start of the battle is probably going to be on Saturday when they have their first scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what kids we'll be back next week to tell you all about what happened in that first scrimmage, have all the details, uh, keep your focus right there on horns 24 seven for all the latest Intel, uh, as these Longhorns prepare for Louisiana on September 4th. I mean, we are less than, uh, we're like three weeks from the start of the football season, which is simply fantastic. And as far as we know, everyone's going to get to go to the games. And I know I have my flight to Fayetteville, Arkansas. So I'm hoping like crazy. I have a place in the press box, but um, 
Until next time, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over on Horns 24-7. And until next time here on the Flagship Podcast, stay safe and keep the faith. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.